1: Hey, hey, everyone. Tamara here. So I'm sitting here with a cup of coffee in one of my favorite mugs. And it's one of my favorite because it was given to me by a friend. And on it, it says not today. But the reason she gave me this mug is because apparently the first time we met, I said to her, my name's Tamara. Not today. Tamara. Can't believe I said that. People always make jokes about my name and like the sun will come out tomorrow. You get the point. It drives me nuts. But apparently that's what I said, but I love this mug because she remembers the first time that we met. And I think that that's fantastic when your friends can say, I remember the first time you and I met and this is how it went. Just shows there's a connection there. She's like one of my besties. I adore her. Kelly, you're the best. All right. It's Friday again. I'm going to do this wrap up a little bit differently. I'm going to do a little bit of an experimentation because as we all know, to get to those innovative ideas, those breakthrough solutions, we got to test stuff out. We got to experiment. We got to see how it really plays out in the real world, not in the conference room and not on paper. So here's what I'm going to do. Instead of doing my usual wrap up where I share a small nugget and a small insight, and then I go into what I learned from our guests or their aha moments. And by the way, they're always incredible. I love them, I love all our interviews. But that's normally what I do is one little nugget of insight or aha. And then I spend most of my time sharing the aha from the guests. Well, I've been getting a lot of requests for more of my insights and more of my experience and just lessons from my perspective. So I'm going to test out using Friday to do that. Now, with that said, please go back and listen to this week's interviews if you haven't. They are incredible. In fact, we have a three-part series from a group of leaders, different leaders, at Spire Financial. I have the great privilege of meeting a lot of incredible everyday innovators in organizations, entrepreneurs across the globe. And sometimes with these clients, after I meet them, I just think, you all are so innovative and your people are such incredible everyday innovators, I need to interview you. So I get to do these series where I interview more than one person inside an organization. But what's fascinating about it is each one comes from a very different perspective. So you'll see with these interviews, the first three of the week, that while they're all in the same company, they have very different insights to share. I think it's part of what makes the series concept really powerful. Then on Thursday, I have an everyday innovator from a whole different perspective. And we talk a lot about playing to win versus playing not to lose. So go back and listen to those. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share two things. One is a personal story a little vulnerable, and some ahas that came out of that, some lessons learned. I'm still going through this journey, but I want to share it with you because I think it could help if you've experienced failure the way I did about a week ago. And and then I'm going to share a tool that I use to help solve my big brick walls and get over them. A tool that helps me percolate and find the innovative solutions. And it almost feels like a passive tool, but it's actually very active in your brain. You don't really realize it. So I love this tool. So that's what I want to do today. But here's my request from you. I would love some feedback. So I want you to tell me, hey, yeah, tomorrow I want more of you talking and just sharing or no, tomorrow go back to the everyday innovator wrap ups. I won't be offended either way, by the way. I want this to be the most valuable podcast that you're like, I can't wait to turn it on every single day and listen to. So give me the feedback, whether that's on social media or if you have my email, shoot it there, whatever. Just let me know what you think. So, like I said, I'm going to share two things. One is a story, something I'm kind of going through right now, but I had a a pretty large failure last week. And I want to share what I learned out of that failure and a tool about how to solve your biggest brick walls, your biggest problems. So, let's start with the failure. So, it's a personal one, uh, but there's a lot of lessons across a lot of things in here. So, as some of you probably know from listening to the podcast or on my 10 minute bursts on Mondays, uh, I have been training. Pretty hard for an Ironman. Now, for those of you who don't know, an Ironman is a triathlon. It is a 2.4 mile swim, it is a 112 mile bike ride, and then 26.2 mile run. So you swim a lot, you bike a hell of a lot, and then you run a marathon. So I'm not. Let me just be clear. I'm not a biker. I'm not a runner, and I am definitely not a swimmer. I'm a sinker. Actually, I always go to the bottom. Doesn't matter if I'm fat, thin, lean, muscular, or not. Like I sink. But I took this on a little bit without knowing what I was getting into, but a little bit to just shake it up for myself. Um, I love CrossFit. I've been doing CrossFit for years and years and years. And if you want me to lift a heavy barbell and some heavy shit off the ground, I am your girl. Like I love to lift heavy. But I'm getting a little older. And I just thought, you know, it's time for a change, it's time for something different. And I really wanted the challenge of this long term endurance. I mean, it takes it takes people anywhere from seven to 16, 17 hours to complete an Ironman. And so I wanted to, I wanted to push it and I wanted to do the training for this for a reason that might surprise people. Um, I am a really good starter of things and I'm not always the best at that long-term determination. Do you know what I mean? Like it takes a lot—the endurance side of things. Like I'm a quick hit person, and I think that sometimes, not just in my fitness life, right? Because CrossFit's great for that—like give me a 12-minute workout and I'm in. But sometimes that um, bent towards short and quick shows up in other places in my life. It shows up in you know the effort I put into things. It shows up in kind of my long-term game. So. So I think I'm more of a short-term game game kind of person, but I want to work on my long-term game because I know, right, that hustle, that determination, that grit over the long-term is what makes you truly successful. And I'm not saying I'm not good at seeing things through and that I don't like really go after things, I do. But this was an area where I felt like I could really improve. And I thought that this training for an Ironman, because this is all about that, right? Half of my trainings were like six hour training days. I thought this is going to really help me work on that muscle in my brain of that just long-term getting through the mental highs and lows, see kind of keeping that end goal in sight and pushing through when you want to stop. So that's why I did it. So, and someone, you know who you are, sent me a picture of an Airbnb with a hot tub overlooking a lake in the Swiss Alps. Cause that's, it was in Switzerland, the Ironman. This was in the very, very. this was actually two years ago when I first signed up for this thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll do something in Switzerland. But there's, a, there's a hot tub involved. I'm in. Didn't really know what I was getting into. Thanks a lot, buddy. So it's in Switzerland. I actually signed up for, I think it was 2020, beginning of 20, was it 2021 or 2020? I can't remember now, but it was canceled because of COVID. So it just happened in 2022. So I started training, then it got canceled and pushed back. And so then I stopped training and then I started again at the beginning of this year full board. So I've been training for this event, which happened July 10th. I've been training since January of this year. So I've done a lot of biking, a lot of running and a lot of swimming. Now, here's the thing about the course that you need to know. Um, So the swim was in a lake beautiful water, probably about 67 degrees. I like the cold water. You're wearing a wetsuit, but to me it felt great. Um, The course, the bike course is in the Swiss Alps. So there's a 7,000 foot elevation gain with all the hills. You can imagine it's the Swiss Alps, right? This is not a flat course, but I'm from Colorado and I train a lot in the hills in Colorado and New Mexico. So I thought I can do this. And I happen to actually love hills. I love a good long like bike uphill grind. I actually really enjoy that uphill and the rewards you get flying down the downhill. So, but that's the course, right? 112 miles of hills. Like there was barely any flat on this course. And then the run is around the lake and around the town called Thun, which is maybe one of the most picturesque places I've ever been. So I train and train and train and train. We fly to Switzerland We have an incredible Airbnb overlooking the lake in the Swiss Alps. We prepare. We do our little bike ride to kind of get to know the course. We drive the course so that we know when we get to race day, kind of what we're in for, what turns there are, where it might be technical. And believe me, that's a lot of work trying to figure out the streets in a foreign country. We check out kind of everything, right? We swim a little bit in the lake so we know what the water's going to feel like. I mean, we are, you prepare for an Ironman. This is no joke. So we go to check in and I have to tell you, I've been to other Ironman races as a supporter and there are people of all shapes and sizes there. And sometimes people come into that finish line who you would never expect to come into that finish line. And it's humbling that way. And people come in faster than you would think would be fast. Like it's, it's incredible. You can't look at somebody's body type and go, they're never going to make it not in the Ironman. So we go to registration and I look around And I realized that everybody there looks like they're on a casting call for the Ironman. They are like triathlon gods. And I'm over here like in good shape, but this is my first one. I can't, I'm so nervous looking around me, but everybody's super supportive and super wonderful. And we go in and we get our, our stuff, right. Our race packet. And I got my number, like, I'm so excited. So, uh, race day comes now. You got to be there super early. And, um, you got to finish dropping off your bags, right? You've got your bike bag, your run bag. You've got your personal dry clothes bag for when you're done. It's just, it's a whole production. And so I've got my wetsuit on, right? I'm me and almost 2000 other people are standing by the lake. I am way in the back. They seed you by your swim time. So if you think you're an ex swim time, you stand here, right? And so on, so on. I'm in the way back because I'm a very slow swimmer. Now I'm not even sure. That I'm gonna make it through the swim. Here's the thing: um, in a race like this, because of road closures and just timing, there's cutoffs. So you need to be out of the water in two hours and 20 minutes. Because they think if you can't get out of the water in two hours and 20 minutes, well, then you're not gonna make it right on the rest of the course. You're gonna run out of time because you have 17 hours, I think it is, to complete the whole thing. So I'm thinking there's a huge chance I time out because I'm a slow swimmer. I've never taken a swim lesson. I've done the training, I've done the work, but I'm not a swimmer and I'm not an open water swimmer. All my training has been in the pool. So like, there's a lot going on here. I'm thinking there's no way I'm making it through the swim, but I'm going to give it my best, right? I've always said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. I'll never quit, but I might get timed out. So there's time caps all across the race. So in the swim, there's one. And then on the bike, there's a couple points. There's the first turnaround. It was two big loops. And then there's the back of the second turnaround, right? So there's, there's cutoffs everywhere. Because at some point you either are, you are not going to make it. And that makes perfect sense. So I knew this going into this race and this is important part of the story. So the gun goes off and people start going into the water and it is energizing and exciting. And I'm, my butterflies are going. And then it's my, like, I'm kind of inching my way towards, and I've got these people like standing there and they're kind of letting us in every five seconds at a time. They're letting like four or six people in. So my turn and I like, I get in the water and I feel the cold rush and, I'm in, right? I'm so good. So I start swimming and I'm swimming and I'm I'm practicing my sight while I'm swimming. Meaning you look at the buoy. So you stay in the straight line and you don't zigzag everywhere. And I'm doing really well and I'm swimming and I'm swimming. I'm barely stopping to see where I am. I'm feeling good. And you kind of go in this, let's uh, call it a loop in the lake, right? And at one point you take one final turn around a buoy, and you've got about a, I'm going to call it a half a mile. I'm not really sure how long it was, but like a half a mile that takes you Um, into the end of the swim, which is in the boat docks, right? And the kind of the ramp where you go up. So at that turning point, a guy on a paddleboard starts paddling next to me. Now there's volunteers everywhere in the water. There's people on paddleboards, people on kayaks, right? They're there to make sure everybody's okay to not just to encourage you, but really make sure that you're not drowning out there. So he starts what felt like escorting me back to to, to the docks, the end of the swim. And he's, and, and as I'm lifting my head up, I can actually hear him being like, you can do it. You're almost there. Keep going. Don't stop. But I've got this like personal escort coming in the water. Now I don't see many other people in the water at this point. I started towards the end, but at this point I'm thinking, oh my God, I've timed out already. Right. I, I I didn't even make it past the swim. I can't even get to the bike, which is the strongest of all three for me. And the one I'm probably looking forward to the most, but I haven't even made it there. And he's escorting and he's escorting all the, no joke, all the way in. So I come in to the finish of the swim and there's all these volunteers there who are going to help you out of the water because you're coming in in an incline and it's a little bit slippery and you're in a wetsuit and you haven't had your legs under you for a while. So, but as I'm getting super close to these volunteers and this guy on the paddleboard is escorting me, I almost start to cry because I think I haven't even made it past the swim. I came this far. I traveled across the world. And I haven't even made it past the swim, right? All that training. And I'm not even two hours into the 16, what would have been a 16 hour race for me, and I'm done. And the volunteers start to pull me out of the water. But before they do, like I start crying in the water. So I'm in the water and I'm like, <laughs> and like bubbles are coming up and I'm trying to breathe and I'm cr- crying a little bit. And I come out of the water and I must have shown it on my face because the first volunteer that pulled my arm up looked me in the eyes and said, Keep going, you're good. And I'm dazed and confused. And I'm thinking I'm done, but this volunteer is telling me to keep going. And people are cheering you on. There's all these amazing spectators. And the guy on the announcement thing goes, And Tamara Gondor representing the USA in at 159. And I'm like, What? I came in at 159? Like, I thought I was past 220. And there's a huge lesson in there that I'm going to stop and share with you for a moment, which is don't count yourself out too early. I was so sure that I had timed out because this guy was paddling next to me. Now, I was one of the last people in the water. There were five athletes after me. I heard it as I was in the transition, getting into my bike stuff. And so there were a lot of volunteers in the water and he was just being kind and cheering me on as I was going in. And I was counting myself out. I probably slowed down a little bit. I would have hustled a little more had I thought that I, would, I was still in the race, which I was. Do not count yourself out too early. How many times do we assume we're done for when we are 80% in in our effort? We're not even 100% there. I'd been giving 100% that entire swim, but those last couple minutes when I was sure I was out, I started to slow down. I started to discount myself and my abilities. What I should have done, even if I thought I had timed out, is just go hard all the way till the end. And don't get me wrong, I was swimming. And I was swimming to the best of my ability, but mentally, I was winding down. I have to own that.
0: You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible.
1: I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four legged family members with these ailments is with CBD infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff Zoe is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality, full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at HowdyPuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code Tamara, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market you will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com promo code Tamara. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. And so I get out of the water and wow, I'm still in. So again, I just, not to kind of, what's that old phrase, uh, play a broken record. Is that right? But we count ourselves out too early. We think we're done when we're not. We take cues, these signals as things that say that we're out for the count, and they're not accurate, right? We assume that's what they mean without even knowing what they mean. I assumed the guy on the paddleboard board meant I was done. It meant the opposite. He meant he was encouraging me because I was doing I was doing okay. like i was I was in it, right? The volunteers helping me out. I thought they were helping me out because I was done. They were helping me out because they helped everybody out because the ramp is steep, and you're you're going to fall backwards. So think about it. Think about when you might be counting yourself out a little too soon. and might maybe mentally be winding down when you should still be all in. So that's my lesson there. I will never, ever, ever, until I have hundred percent proof count myself out. So I go into transition. I get on the bike. The bike course is hilly and beautiful and wonderful. And the, volunteers were amazing. And all these little towns in the Swiss Alps that you passed, people were sitting on their decks, cheering you on, yelling, hop, hop, hop. That was the big thing that they yelled there. Every, every area has its own thing. And so I'm going around. I knew I had to, so it was two loops. I knew I had to get back to this one cutoff point for the first loop by one thirty. So I had all these little markers of when I needed to be in certain places to make that. And I was like five minutes ahead of my plan. So I was good. Right. You get to the turnaround. I'm, I don't know what time it is at the turnaround because I don't have a clock on me, but the guy yells, Tamara Gondor from the USA, right? Still going for the onward to the second loop. Go get him tomorrow. And I'm like, all right, I'm still in. So I'm biking, I'm biking, I'm biking. And um I have to get to this back part of the course by 245 PM. And I'm going along and I'm going along and I'm really enjoying it. Now I'm struggling here. I'm feeling strong there. Like I've got my ups and downs, but I'm going and going and going. And uh, I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, there's one point just before this town that I have to meet this marker at, this 245, where I see a clock tower and the clock's out tower says 235. Now I know that this clock tower is before the town that I need to make. So I need to hustle. So I pick up the pace. I start passing people left and right. Like I am making this cutoff, right? I've learned my lesson from the swim. Don't count yourself out too early. So I am going, I am like giving it 100%. I am out of the saddle. I am in the right gears. I am like just killing myself to get up the hills or some really steep ones before the cutoff. And I see the town, the sign town and the volunteers are cheering me on. So I'm like, oh my God, I did it, right? Like, so now I'm I'm in, This is like mile 80 out of 112, give or take. So I've got the back half of the loop that I still have to do after this, but I've made it to this marker, which means I get to make it to the run. So I'm so excited. So I'm biking, I'm biking, I'm biking. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. I have all this energy from actually making it past the swim that's still with me. And like I said, I have some ups and downs on the bike for sure, right? Because at this point, I'm four or five hours into the bike ride, whatever it was. And so I turn the corner and there I see it the van of shame, the one that's pulling people off the course because they haven't met the cutoff. The woman blows her whistle and she pulls me aside. And she looks at me and she says, I'm sorry, you missed the cutoff by 12 minutes. It was 2.57. I had miscounted where I thought I was. Not for effort, not for trying, but it just didn't happen. I just didn't make it. And then I had to sit there and wait because people were coming in behind me who were all those people that I passed had to be taken off the course too. So I'm in the van back and I'm trying so hard to like put on my game face and have a good disposition about the whole thing. And you know, how glad I am that I'm just here and blah, blah, blah. But in my head, I am devastated. I have worked for six months training. I made it past what I thought was my biggest barrier, which was the swim to get to here to the thing that I'm strongest at and to not make it there was really hard for me mentally. And then I had to go back to the village, um, to where the finish line is, where all my bags are. No, I can't get to all my bags because that's all kind of ripped off. I can get to my dry clothes. So I could change at least out of my triathlon gear into my kind of street clothes. Um, And my man is still doing the race. He's crushing it. I'm so proud of him. And he's, still on the bike when I came in, but he's making it to the run. And I know that. So now what I know is not only have I not completed it did I get pulled off the course and not make my cutoff when I thought I did after all that training, but I got to sit here for seven hours and cheer him on. And, um, here people coming into the finish line every five minutes, so-and-so from Ecuador, you are an Ironman. And so-and-so from Germany, you are an Ironman. Right? So they yell at every time you come in that finish line. I have no doubt it's an epic moment for people. I didn't get to experience it. So not only did I not complete it, but I couldn't leave. And I had to sit there and listen to these people accomplish their goals while I didn't make mine. And, uh, I'm not a misery loves company person, but it was, and I wanted success for all those people that came into the finish line and for my man who was still out there on the course. Like I was so excited for him and I was so devastated for myself. And uh, no joke, this is a little embarrassing to admit, but I I grabbed a Red Bull um, from a food truck at the village and I sat under this tree and cried into my Red Bull for like three hours. And I was just so upset. And every time my man would come by in the run, I saw him like five or six times. Actually, that part was really awesome. I would pull it together and get up and cheer him on. And like, I was so proud of him and I didn't want his race to be diminished or demeaned by my situation. So I would pull it together and cheer, like cheer my heart out for him. And he deserved every cheer that I gave him because he worked hard and he made it. And I learned a lot that day in those seven hours that I had to sit there and sit in my pain, but also cheer on someone else and just deal with the fact that I had gone all this way to not achieve my goals. And here's the thing, I'll fully admit, um, it's not often that I don't make up my goals. And maybe my goals aren't big enough. I don't know. But I, I'm pretty good at like pulling off things people think I can't pull off. I'm pretty good at accomplishing things. I'm really good at setting my sights on stuff and freaking going for it. But in this case, I didn't. So I learned a couple of valuable lessons out of that that I wanted to share with you. Um, one is, well, one I shared, and that was with this swim of like, don't count, don't count yourself out too early. You might be in the game more than you think you are. But there's a couple more I want to share. One is work on your mental toughness game. Now, I have pretty strong mental toughness, and this pushed me to the limits. Um, and in a good way, like I learned that I have new limits, bigger, long, bigger limits. I have more than I can accomplish in a couple of ways. One is when you are working out. So what was I on the course for five, six, seven hours, seven and a half hours before I got pulled off, but that's still a long time. There's a lot of highs and lows that happen in those moments. And that grit, that toughness is what gets you through your mind can tell your body what to do. The body follows the mind. And when I was struggling on that bike, some some of the uphills, which I love, I'm not wrong, I love the pain, but also, oh my God, right? It's that mental toughness that helps push you through. When I was in the swim and in the very beginning, I had to really fight back panic. I mean, I have panicked in the water before and I knew that was a potential of coming and I had to really fight it in my head um, to not panic and to keep going. And I had to push through. And once I pushed through that hurdle, it was fine, but I had to get there and mental toughness, but I learned something else about mental toughness. It's not just about like grinding and keeping going. Cause I'm, I'm better at that. I think maybe even that I said in the beginning of this podcast, but I also learned that mental toughness is what gets you back up when you have tasted defeat. It's what helped me pull it together, get up and cheer on the other people. It's what helped me sit there and have my moment and be devastated, but then switch to, all right, I'm not going to go out on a loss. So what am I going to do to redeem myself? Sure enough, I've already signed up for some events in the future. I'm going to start training again because I'm not going out on a loss, damn it. But that mental toughness not only gets you through the highs and lows, mental toughness is what gets you back up when you've been kicked in the face, when you are punched and down. So we, I think, talk a lot about mental toughness and mental gain, but I would encourage you to go find something that's going to push you and push your mental grit, right? Your toughness all across your life. So for me, and it's probably totally different for you, but for me, continually training in this endurance style that I'm not good at has been an incredible lesson in mental toughness and in strengthening that muscle inside of me. I had it pretty strong to begin with. I've dealt with a lot in my life and I've come through it on the other side, but this is a whole new game for me. And this past week and that failure that I felt a devastation that showed me that I have more to give that showed me that I can go even further. So I'm going to continue, find something in your life, whether that's a sprint triathlon, learning a new skill, whatever it is. And I think there's something powerful in the physical, of course, but find something that pushes your mental limits and allows you to practice and build that muscle, it'll impact everything else in your life. So that was one lesson. The other lesson I got is um, thank and cheer on the people who are cheering you on. You know, we talk a lot about having champions and supporters around us, mentors. What we don't talk about is the cheering and the thanking and the response that we give them back. So every time I passed a volunteer, I said, thank you, or at least nodded my head and smiled at them if I wasn't in a place where I could breathe. Every single time I passed a little town and they were cheering and yelling, hop, hop, hop. I didn't just fly by them. I gave them a woohoo back or like raised my hand or smiled and thanked them. And here's the thing. It doesn't take any effort on your, on our part to do that. And here are all these people out here supporting me and everybody else who I don't even know. I don't even know these people. And some of them took the time to read my race bib that said my name and my country. And they would chant my USA or they would chant, go tomorrow, go tomorrow. Like these people are going out of their way to support you. And it was just as energizing as exciting for me to cheer them back. It felt good for them. They feel recognized and valued. And I get like double the benefit out of the whole thing. So take some time to thank and support and cheer the people who are cheering you on. There were a lot of bikers who passed through Stone Cold. Now I'm not talking about the leaders who are like, "I am in it for time. This is my life." They're a little, they're focused. But for the rest of us, hey, in fact, even for those people, who am I kidding? We can all spend a, take a moment to smile. Doesn't take much, but it feels really good to thank people and to cheer them on when they're there for you too. It was a wonderful relationship across the course. I loved it. Some people I saw them a couple times. So I came around the bike loop twice. And then they were like, oh, tomorrow, like they, they remembered, which is amazing. So take the time, be thankful, be grateful, but more importantly, show it, show it, cheer them on, respond back. So the last lesson I want to share with you is something that I actually learned early on in my life, but it popped back up in the race for me. And that is this pain is temporary, but regret is forever. Another friend of mine put it differently. He said, pain is temporary, but pride is forever. And so when I think about how that translates for me into my everyday life and into this race, the lesson that I was reminded of is, you know, in any race, whether that's life or something like this, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. And I think it's important to remember when you're down, there's an upcoming. When you're up, it's probably a downcoming. And what that allows me to do is when I'm in those pain cave moments, when I'm when I'm in the low points, I'm, I become thankful for those moments because I know that means an up moment is coming, right? A moment where I feel strong and good and the winds are in my favor, right? And I'm pedaling really hard and I'm feeling strong. I know that's coming. It also reminds me that when I'm in those up moments to give it my all because pain is coming somewhere down the road. And that's not to sound like a fatalist, but the reality is when you do long-term, long-term things, and again, that's life. There's ups and downs, but it's temporary. It really, that, that lesson has helped me get through so much in my life. You know, after I got divorced and it was just kind of a whirlwind, it was like, all right, this feeling of being unsteady and unclear and foggy, this is temporary. So feel it. It's okay. And work hard to get out of it, but know it's temporary. I think it's when we feel like things aren't temporary, when they're permanent, that's when we get really stuck. So I want you to remember that that pain is temporary. The ups and downs are temporary. So when you're in a, in a pain cave moment, try doing what I do and be thankful of that moment and embrace the pain. It's okay. It's there. It means an up moment is coming. And when you're in the up, give it your all because pain is coming. So I say that all with a smile because I really, that has changed my life, that lesson. And I was really reminded of that in this race. So I hope you got some great insights for your life or what you're trying to accomplish. I hope you'll share them with me on social media too. Um, It's very awkward and uncomfortable for me to share this story because I'm still in it, but I think it's important that we learn from each other and grow together. And I've, I've really, um, I mean it when I say I'm not going out on a loss. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. I've signed up for a half Ironman in December and I have a full coming next year. Um, but I'm going to go back to the drawing board. I'm going to rework what I did well, what I didn't do well, so that I can move forward um, and use that defeat as fuel for my next win. And I hope you do the same in your life as well. Okay, I want to share with you, I'm going to totally flip gears on you now after that whole personal kumbaya story right there. I want to share with you a tool that I've used that I absolutely love that helps me solve my biggest problems. And it's this funny little quirk that our brain has that typically works against us, but I figured out how to use it for us, to our advantage. It's called open loops. Here's what I mean. Have you ever been in the middle of dinner and then all of a sudden thought, oh my God, did I send that email to Sally about our meeting tomorrow? Or have you been driving and suddenly thought, huh, did I rotate the laundry? Or you're in the meeting and you think, oh my gosh, did I forget to pay for my kid's swim, my swim meet um, entry fees? That was me the other day, by the way. It's funny how those questions pop up into our brain seemingly out of nowhere. But what's really happening is those things, those tasks, those to-dos, those questions that we have are actually percolating in the back of our minds at that more subconscious level, sitting there, taking up space and energy. And then when the moment's right, like whack-a-mole, they pop up. It's called open loops. Here's the thing. Our brains don't like unresolved questions unresolved issues situations this is why sometimes when things like if you have have you ever noticed like if you have a meeting with someone and you don't like what you said or you don't like the way it went or you just didn't get closure in that meeting how it sticks with you forever yeah because your brain wants to create closure on something that doesn't have closure that's why those questions keep popping up in your brain too it's because we want closure our brain likes closure and completeness it doesn't like things open so go ahead email Sally, make sure the laundry's in and do those things and get those closures so they aren't taking up space. And in the meantime, let's use this funny quirk that our brain has to our advantage. Here's what I've discovered. If we can ask ourselves how-to questions, plant that seed in our brain, we can put our subconscious to work, to innovate, put our innovative mind to work, to create solutions and ideas. That's how those aha moments happen. So let me give you an example recently. And it works really well with how-to questions. Not yes, no questions, right? We don't want this or that. It's how-to that allows for, for exploration. So recently, I had a challenge I was trying to figure out. It wasn't a problem, but just something I was trying to figure out. And that's this. We have this incredible online toolbox, and it's got inspiration and insights and tools for, to drive innovation in your day-to-day world. And it's great because it literally has download and activities that you can do for brainstorm sessions, solo or with other people. It's got stories of inspiration, helps you understand how to get over confirmation bias. Like there's all this great stuff in there. But one of the things I've been thinking about is um, oftentimes when organizations or teams purchase access to the toolbox, there's a champion in the organization. There's the person who's kind of leading this effort to drive a culture of innovation with their colleagues, team, group, whatever it is. And that person needs a little extra something, a little something different as the champion of that effort. And I wasn't sure how to support them. Do I just have one-on-one conversations with them? Do I provide a whole different portal? What do I do? So I used open loops to solve it. And I used my brain to go to work while I'm doing all the other things I need to do. So here's what I did. I wrote down and then said my question three times. How do I serve the champions and organizations in our toolbox? How do I serve the champions and organizations in our toolbox? How do I serve the champions and organizations in our toolbox? I said it three times. I wrote it down. Now, I like to do that before I go to bed because then it feels like my brain is working while I'm sleeping. I love it. So here's what happened. So in the morning, I said it and wrote it down. And then I kind of walked away from it and went to my day. And then in the evening before I went to bed, I said it and wrote it down. Sure enough, no joke, I woke up the next morning, popped out of bed, and was like, champion's corner. And all the content came to me. It was like my brain just pulled it all together while I was sleeping. It was amazing. It was like an aha moment right when my eyes opened. And my brain said to me, Tamara, here's what you're going to do. You're going to create a category, a section that's only for the champion's. It's more about leadership type stuff, like how to reward behaviors, not outcomes, how to create a strong innovation feedback loop inside your team, how to drive engagement and keep innovation a priority, right? That's stuff that's a little bit different than the day-to-day, how to be a day-to-day innovator. And that's what we did. We created this Champions Corner. And it's fantastic because it allows us to serve the entire team in a really powerful way, but also give that little extra to the person who's championing the effort It's going to help them get success in the the effort that they're so engaged in and so proud of and want to make happen. So how-to questions. What we're doing is we're creating open loops that our brains can't help but try to solve, right? We Don't like unresolved things in our brain. Use that to your advantage. How do I fill in the blank? What would it take for me to fill in the blank, right? Ask those open questions, allow your brain to explore Here's what I found is the key, not just to think it or kind of haphazardly or say it once, but it's to really clarify the question as a how-to question, open question. Write it down and say it three times, really cement it in your brain, and then walk away from it. You'll be amazed at the ideas that come up. Whoo! All right, everybody, I feel like I poured my heart out to you all this week. So, like I said though no harm, no foul. I really, I want some honest feedback. Do you want me to keep kind of sharing these bigger stories and insights? Do you want me to go back to the wrap up? What is, or is there something else that I'm totally missing and that's okay too, but I want to hear from you. So put it on LinkedIn, put, put it on Facebook, email me, whatever works. But I'd love to know what are your thoughts on the Friday episode? All right, everybody. Love you all. Tomorrow out.
0: Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tamara will be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, Lessons, bigger impact. Until next time.